I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is the author of 16 books and counting a memoir on the way. She is uh, the subject of a documentary. She uh, has been a subject of an extended radio series and podcast series until she took over as her own host of uh, of radio and podcast series. You could hear it on many, many outlets, and so much comes from her. And uh, without further ado, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing okay, Frank. How are you? I'm doing well, and I, I don't know how the country's doing. It seems like we got we got some extremism going on, and uh, and and some strange bedfellows, right? And uh, and and sometimes they come in politics, as the old expression. Sometimes they come in religion, and sometimes those two groups come together. Uh, you have any thoughts on the subject? Yes, that's what I'd like to talk about today. Well. Um, yeah, it's the Christian right, really, that seemed to be in love still with Trump after all these years and all these uh, things that have happened. And uh, those who combine Christianity with Q, and there are those, um, they filled the streets of Dallas uh, a couple of months ago thinking uh, that uh, John, uh, John John, I think it was supposed to be coming uh, reincarnated to uh, to greet them and uh, and to become a leader for them because Q told them that that would happen. So uh, even th- even those uh, right wing Christians uh, can believe at the si- simultaneously believe in Trump and Q. Uh, and Q, of course, has told them that Trump is the second coming of Christ. And yeah. <laughs> and there is a painting which you have seen, uh, Frank, of, Christ, of Trump on the cross with Melania at the foot of the cross, embracing the, the foot of the cross. Um, and uh, people like uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, I think it's Nancy who's holding the spear, uh, in any case. In any case, they see no contradiction uh, uh, with their Christian faith in in Trump's behavior, which they admire uh, because they believe his crimes are mere misbehavior. Uh, He's just a naughty boy. Uh, (laughs) But if they are true Christians, and most of these people or a lot of them anyway, know the Bible by heart, and so they can quote it chapter and verse to you, and yet they don't seem to be thinking what those those verses really do mean. Uh, they should compare, for instance, Christ's uh, Sermon on the Mount to Trump's behavior. <clears throat> Jesus tells us who are the blessed, and I'm going to go through all those Beatitudes yes. now and <clears throat> contrast uh, uh, Trump's behavior to the Beatitudes themselves. Okay, the first Beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, that means the humble. And and Trump is in every way the opposite, uh, and you just laughed at that. He's the egotist, the proud, 
the self-centered. The second beatitude is blessed are the meek. (laughs) And that is clearly uh, one aspect of being humble. (laughs) And uh, Trump is obviously incapable of meekness. Uh, he, uh, He incarnates the opposite. He is so self-centered and so puffed up. Uh, There's no no one who can surpass him in that. The third one is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice. And Trump is always self-righteous and thinks he can do no wrong. But he has always sought to avoid justice wherever he could. Uh, and soon he might be reaping the consequences of that tendency to avoid justice. And then there is blessed are the merciful. Uh, Trump sees and has has never seen any reason to be merciful to anyone, uh, including the workers on his casino, the Taj Mahal, whom he stiffed. He did not pay them. Uh, and another beatitude, the blessed are the clean of heart. And Trump is clean of heart only if you excuse embezzlement, <laughs> adultery, <laughs> and a number of other such uh, such little sins. Um, and also, he unfairly demeans his opponents. This is uh, uh, this is something that I do not consider clean of heart. Uh, he makes up cute um, nicknames for his so-called enemies. He's like a child, a kid, a bully in the fifth grade, who during recess delights in uh, inventing smear nicknames uh, for his opponents. And uh, some of Trump's nicknames are Sleepy Joe for our president, right. low-polling Len Cheney, <laughs> <laughs> crooked, crooked or Lion Hillary, those are very familiar. Yeah. Or Ron de Sanctimonious, and it seems to me that that one is too sophisticated to be his own invention. <laughs> <laughs> and the next day attitude is blessed are the peacemakers. Well, he's not a peacemaker. He enjoys conflict at all levels and sees to it with his, uh, back in the day, with his, uh, um, his tweets uh, that he would stir up a daily conflict. Um, and blessed are those who suffer. Uh, Trump ignores the suffering of others while he presents himself as the poor victim whenever possible. And right now, with all the lawsuits against him, he is playing that card to the fullest. Uh, He is the poor victim of a witch hunt, a universal witch hunt. So what he has done is turn the Beatitudes upside down. How about the Ten Commandments, then? (laughs) He doesn't seem to uh, mind if his partisans threaten his so-called enemies with murder. Adultery, we've already spoken of. Stealing, by way of scamming his contributors, uh, by telling them he's going to give the money to charity when he pockets it. And tax evasion is a way of life for him. Uh, False witness. Do not commit false witness, that is lying. (laughs) And lying is so common that nearly every sentence that he speaks (laughs) or writes has at least one in it. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) 
yet he is the second coming of Christ for some right-wing Christians. And his behavior and example, both in actions and in words, have opened the gates to degradation of moral standards among his followers. And we see that everywhere. It is now okay to call and threaten someone with whom you disagree. Threaten to kill or kidnap poll workers or secretaries of state or vice governors or attorneys general or governors. You bully people. You have his permission to do that by his acts, by his words. Mm. You lie. You lie. You don't... uh, He didn't see any harm in it, so you don't either. Your leader has set the example for all of that. So now you accept and you spread the big lie. And at least 40% of the Republican Republican Party believes the big lie that Trump won the 2020 election and that President Biden is a usurper. And this includes members of Congress. And I have right now foremost in my mind Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, David French wrote, uh, came out, I think, last Wednesday in the Express News, so that means that it came out in the New York Times a day earlier, at least. Uh, the title of his, uh, his opinion piece is Unreasoning Fury is a National Threat. And David French begins his article uh, reminding us that Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia um, suggested a national divorce uh, among states who disagree with other states. In other words, the red states should simply secede secede from the union. Wow. Wow. Her proposal is that red and blue states should live under completely different economic and constitutional structures while maintaining a minimal national union. French says the whole idea is absurd because it's, first of all, incompatible with the Constitution. And it's unworkable. Not not only is it dangerous, it's unworkable. It would destroy the economy, and probably millions of people would move. Uh, And so it would destabilize this country, and if this country is destabilized, so is the globe. And even in the absence of a civil war, it's very unlikely that uh, vast armies would be mobilized to fight each other. But it would certainly be a violent mess. So... She is proposing an unmitigated disaster for America and ultimately for the world. And French says, this all seems so absurd, but don't laugh at it, because we need to take it seriously. So he says, it's if you look at it as a practical suggestion... That, too, is absurd because even red states contain big cities that are bright blue. Most of the big cities are. And he takes Tennessee, his own home state, as an example. 
uh, it went for Trump by 23 percentage points in the last election in 2020. Mm. <clears throat> However, Nashville voted for Joe Biden by a 32-point margin. And Memphis went for Biden by 30 points. And just about every other um, uh, every other county in Tennessee uh, went for Trump, except for Haywood County, which is apparently a very small place. Mm. So uh, no reasonable person would believe it, that it's the proper way to handle our national divisions. Uh, but why, why would we think that reason will win the day? He says the Civil War was something that was caused by unreasoning fury. And the run-up to the, uh, of course, to the Civil War was the, uh, it was actually not just the economy, the uh, problem of uh, the Southern economy. Oh, did we lose? It would not have existed. Um, but it was the unreasoning fury was sparked by John Brown, whose body lies a, mold, a moldering in the grave, um, who had um, rebelled and seized the federal ar arsenal at Harper's Ferry. And the very the fact of that rebellion that successful, momentarily successful rebellion was a spark for the war. Not only was that a spark, but French reminds us that Northern support for Brown's cause provoked a fury in the South that even included claims, uh, for instance, in Texas, and this, of course, um, amuses me since I'm right there in the middle of it, in the middle of Texas. Uh, Texas's secession declaration <laughs> included claims that northern emissaries were distributing poison to slaves for the purpose of killing white citizens. Wow. That was, yeah, that was a formal statement of belief here in Texas. And uh, and so the I was the unreasoning fury, which is in the title of this of this piece by uh, David French. Um, the unreasoning fury uh, was whipped up by the fact that the North would dare to back John Brown and what John Brown was doing. Mm. So. French is making an analogy between what's going, what went on for the Civil War and what the, our situation now, which he believes is right uh, at a trigger point. And he says, uh, if you think this is not true, just think about January 6th and what actually happened, despite what Tucker Carlson is telling us right now. And unfortunately... I keep saying to people who uh, who say, well, I mean, who's, who's going to believe Tucker? And uh, I keep saying those 
who are locked into Fox News and who watch no other station get no other news. That's all the air. So, of course, they'll believe Tucker Carlson. It's gospel. It's gospel to many of these people. It certainly is, yes. And then French says, well, you know, think about January 6th and what if Mike Pence had said yes? What if he had carried out uh, Trump's demands because uh, at that moment, at that very moment, American peace and unity depended on the force of will of Mike Pence, one single person, a man who stood up to the president. He stood up to the lawmakers in his own party who challenged the election. He stood up to the howling mob that was crying out for his head. They were going to hang him. And even worse, in the aftermath of the attack on the Capitol, Pence's, Pence, Pence's approval rating um, in the, the Republican Party went, it collapsed. It went to the toilet. Whereas Trump's approval rating, if anything, rose. It certainly hold, held steady. Okay. Uh, and how? Uh, so he alone really stopped the coup. Yeah, it was it was actually a heroic move by by Pence. And and the thing is, a lot of people, uh, you know, look at Pence as being, you know, he's he's a purist, uh, very much on the right and on the religious right. Uh, you know, he is a he is a purist, and you know these barbarians that stormed the Capitol, and every one of them should be thrown into jail. I mean, it's uh, that as treasonous as you can get. That's the, the pure definition of treason, what they did in, on January 6th. Uh, but Pence um, is hated by by yeah. the very people that, um, uh, that probably have more in common with him than with Trump as far as their honest beliefs. I don't mean the maniacs. I don't mean, you know, those people, but I mean the extreme right, the extreme, the extremist on the right wing. Yes, no doubt about that. Okay, so where are we right now? Uh, has, the, has the fever uh, passed by? Not by a long shot. America is in the grips of a staggering amount of partisan hatred and overwhelming majorities of the Republican Party and the Democrats, too, believe that their opponents are hateful, racist, brainwashed, and arrogant. <laughs> and half of uh, there was a uh, poll taken at the University of California at Davis, a survey, and uh, they agreed that so let's see how many, half of them, half of those who filled out the survey agreed that in the next several years there will be civil war. Mm -hmm. And roughly 20% agreed that political violence is at least sometimes justifiable. So um, 30, uh, 34% <laughs> 
of likely voters, including most Republicans, think that red and blue states need a national divorce. So they agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the percentage again? What's that number? 34% oh of God. likely voters. Yeah, this is David French. Uh, I don't know where he gets that number, but uh, this is what he said. I believe it. You know, I believe yeah. that there are that many uh, insane people in this country. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's absolute insanity. And Marjorie Taylor Greene should, uh, you know, she should not be in office. She shouldn't be anywhere near the Constitution or, or anywhere enforcing um, the, the Constitution. She is everything that uh, you know founding fathers would uh, would cringe over i mean she is she is a maniac she yeah, is a a, a is. raving maniac and my my thought and even these people that uh, you know that that are are putting and i saw the uh, painting a large poster painting or whatever of trump on the cross i told you that when i went down to cover uh, January sixth uh, at the night, the, the night that it happened, and and they had it there, and they uh, it was a big celebration. Everybody was very proud of what they were doing. It, you know what I want to, I, I I would like to know is, do you imagine if the Democrats uh, portrayed Obama on the cross, or, yeah. or Hillary Clinton, or Bill Clinton, or Biden, the uproar that would be, uh, you know, uh, just be beyond belief that anybody would put a politician uh in the uh in in the position of of the son of god of christ on the cross uh would be blasphemy beyond belief and how it's not with donald trump to these these crazy people um is is beyond me but if any and i'm an independent you know so i don't want to make it sound like i'm I'm just naturally um, inclined to, you know, criticize Trump. I knew Trump, right? I, mean, I knew him. He was a, I knew him when he was a moderate Democrat. Of course, he became a, a, a right-wing Republican in order to, uh, for political expediency. And, uh, and if he thought it would be a moderate uh, Democrat to get him elected, he would be a moderate Democrat to be, you know, whatever he, he had to do to become elected. But he's not... Mike Pence is the purist. I mean, Trump is anything but a purist. He's, he wasn't even a right to life when I knew him. I had the conversation many, many he times tried. with him. Mm -hmm. um, he was pro-choice, and he found religion. He found religion when he, uh, uh, when he did this, and his religion was, uh, you know, included the right to life platform. So, um, I, I mean, this is uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is, in my opinion, a maniac. She is somebody that belongs in a mental institution, not in the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, this, but let me finish this. Please uh, do. This I'm sorry. Sorry to intervene. Yeah, because uh, French reminds us that he published in 2020, he published a book. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he gives us a quotation out of it. And now this is before the election. Um, and he says, at this moment in history, there is not a single important cultural, religious, political, or social force that is pulling Americans together more than it is pushing us apart. And he says that if it was true then, it is even doubly true now. 
he says that animosity is the enemy of American liberty. And it is hard to muster the will to defend the rights of people you despise, but it is also the ultimate enemy of American unity. Hatred and fear are the foundation of unreasonable fury. And the fury that divided us once in the Civil War may well do so again. Mm. Okay, now that was that article, and I tend to agree with most of it, if not all of it. And today, a letter from a reader was published in our paper, and I'm going to read it. It's very brief. This person, this this gentleman whose name is Fred Martin, who comes from Fair Oaks Ranch, which is sort of a, a little colony of Trumpists, he says, unreasoning fury is a national threat, is a national threat, which was published in Another View on Wednesday. New York Times columnist David French asked the question, what if former Vice President Mike Pence had done exactly what Trump demanded and overturned the election? Would the nation have experienced um, a cataclysmic divorce? I don't know the answer. I do know that if President Joe Biden was not in office, the nation would not be experiencing our debilitating energy crisis, border crisis, inflation crisis, nor violence crisis, unquote. So what he is saying is, and of course he's lying at the same time, uh, we don't have a severe energy crisis in this country by comparison to the rest of the world. We do have a border crisis. The inflation that we are suffering, which is four point something percent right now, is far lower than anybody else. And violence crisis? Yes, I don't think it's a crisis. There's a slight increase of violence because the people are following Trump and his example set of violence, of violence in our attitude towards each other. Uh, so here we have the proof of what, uh, what David French was saying. This guy is exactly uh, an example of the uh, person who feels unreasoning fury against poor Joe Biden, who is doing his best to lessen all of the things that he is holding against Biden as Biden's fault. By Biden caused all of it. And Trump, of course, is totally innocent of any of this, of contributing to any of these problems in his mind. Okay, so that's what's happening. This this letter coming in today is proof of what David French his thesis is. And I don't want to leave us with such bleak such a bleak diagnosis of our present situation because there is still kindness and help available in this world and people uh, can still be nice to each other uh, because another article came out this one came out yesterday 
um, and it is entitled, Kindness Concern Saved Somebody's Child. And uh, it, it begins, somebody's child was playing chicken in the street. <laughs> what happened was that uh, in a very busy part of town, uh, we have a supermarket chain here in San Antonio, simply called by its initials, H-E-B. And uh, it's a very, these stores are enormous stores uh, like Safeway and, and so on, uh, Albertsons and so forth. Um, but they were started by a local person and are spreading throughout Texas. In any case, um, a young lady was standing on the sidewalk facing the busy street. I think there might have been an intersection right there, so it was particularly uh, traffic-heavy and busy. And she was slender, young, probably in her 20s. She was wrapped in a purple blanket, and she suddenly ran into traffic. Uh, there were no green lights for her. She just ran out in the midst of heavy traffic and caused all sorts of of chaos there. Uh, brakes squealing, horns honking, people yelling, uh, and cars swerving, uh, and she made her way all across, all the way across the street where there was a bus stop. She turned around facing the traffic the other way, and before long she did the same thing going back across the street when the traffic was heaviest. And an elderly lady standing outside H-E-B said, what's, what's wrong with her? She's going to get killed. Go get the store supervisor. So someone brought out the store supervisor who went up to the girl and very gently took, took her arm and said, my dear, you're going to get yourself killed. What, what's wrong? Why are you doing this? And she uh, addressed him. Uh, she began crying, uh, and she addressed him uh, while looking at the ground, and she said, Sir, if I have offended you in any way, that was not my intention. Please forgive me. That was not my intent, and I am sorry. <laughs> and he was taken aback because she spoke in a rather formal and very clear way, but she was behaving like a maniac. So pretty soon two police cars came up and they came over and they too were very gentle with her. And she kept uh, looking down and crying and uh, she looked up at the sky and said, God has prepared me to accept anything, but sir, if I have offended you in any way, I'm sorry. And she had been in a uh, city facility called Haven for Hope, uh, which is was fairly recently built uh, to house and help people who are on drugs. And she confessed having just been smoking something, obviously something more powerful than pot, maybe yeah. crack. Uh, and so uh, somebody brought her water and somebody... One of the police, I think, went and got her some food. 
and they sat her in the back of the uh, police car uh, without, they put no handcuffs or any other restraint on her, uh, but they fed her and watered her. <laughs> uh, and um, she, uh, uh, she calmed down and realized what she'd been doing. Uh, and the, the story does not tell us what happened to her afterwards. But the, the last paragraph is, somebody's child had a rough day. Whoever that somebody is, know that others treated your child as if she were their own. Wow. So kindness and help are sometimes available even now. <laughs> I thought I would end the session today with a high note. Yeah, a very touching, actually. Um, yes. <clears throat> wow. And, uh, you know, the, the first part is absolutely insane, but uh, I, I applaud you for bringing it up. Uh, my God, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think this is the worst we've heard from her, certainly not the last we heard from her, but there could be even crazier things than this coming out of her, but beautiful story. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to diminish it by um, by going back to what we originally said. But Doc, uh, great job as always, and um, maybe we'll leave on that high note. What a beautiful, you know, beautiful story. Um, and you you just don't know, you don't know what uh, uh, what kindness can come out of people unless you give them a chance. And um, you know, to to treat somebody. Like uh, like they would treat their own child is just uh, is just wonderful. Doc, thank you very much. You're most welcome. Yeah, which I think indicates that maybe there's some hope <laughs> for yes. uh, for redemption in politics as well. You never know. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, yeah. So we are. Everybody has kindness in them. As well as the propensity to uh, to get furious, unreasonably fury, uh, fu uh, 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 fury, and hatred filled. Uh, but uh, as you say, let's leave on the high note rather than uh, bring back the low. Yeah. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you to those people. I mean, it just uh, uh, it gives you a little warmth and uh, and good feeling. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. You've been listening to well, Florence. Before we sign off, oh, let's, go ahead, let please. Me just give the name of the reporter here. Yes, his name is Kerry Clark, uh, and he is a black man, and uh, uh, he often writes uh, human interest things. And uh, we are we're grateful to him for for what he does for the community. Terrific, uh, great job by him, and uh, and yeah. and you know everybody involved. Um, in that kindness uh, Frank McKay signing off uh, you've been listening to Florence Byham Weinberg and uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg and we'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show <laughs>